just come before you right now. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for these people. Father, I praise you and I thank you for your faithfulness. Father, for your goodness and your mercy. And Father God, I pray against unbelief right now. We think a lot of times that if our faith is high, we don't have unbelief, but actually we can have unbelief at the same time that we have faith. And Father God, I come against it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Father, we are believing for big things. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for healing, Father God. We're believing for deliverance. And Father, your word says to speak to the mountain. You already know about the problem. We are to speak to the mountain. And I speak to the mountain of depression. I speak to sickness and disease. Father, I speak to infirmity. Father, I speak to people that are in dark places right now. Father God, I speak healing. I speak deliverance. And I command those things. I command depression right now to leave. I take authority, Father, you have given us authority over these things. I take authority right now over depression. You have to leave in the name of Jesus. I take authority right now over COVID, over sinus infections, over any type of sickness, over cancer. I take authority over diabetes, heart, heart failure, heart congestion, all of these things, things with a heart, with valves and whatever else it could be, Father God. And I command them to line up with the word of God. Father God, I speak creative miracles, creative miracles to come forth right now for spines, spines to line up with the word of God right now in the name of Jesus. You have to obey. I come against all unbelief in the name of Jesus. Father, even in the Bible, they talked about, Lord, you know, help our unbelief. They had faith that Jesus would do it, but they still said, help our unbelief. And I just pray against unbelief right now in the name of Jesus. It is just so, I just feel it right now. It is, no, no, we are not going to allow that to happen. Father, our eyes are going to be on you. Our eyes are on you. Father, I thank you. Lord, we give you all praise. We give you all glory, Father God. Lord, we bless your name. We exalt you, Father God. We turn our eyes upon you. We take our eyes off of distractions. We take our eyes off of what we feel because our feelings are fickle. Father God, we just focus on you right now. We expect to see your goodness in the land of the living. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. Our God, see with me how 
The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will see how great how great is our To age he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God had three and one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lamb.
said he'd send help just when we need it. Hallelujah. 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 We praise you, God, for what you're doing in this house. We thank you that out of our innermost being are flowing rivers of living water. Hallelujah. We are not burdened down and overladen and oppressed, but we're full of the Holy Spirit. We're full of the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the hope that you've given us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter what we feel, what we're going through, God, I'm telling you, folks, my knee has got so, my right knee has got so stiff I could hardly walk. And I text Marcia this morning, and I asked her to pray for me. I'm telling you, I can walk better now than I've walked in several days. And I just thank God for it. Folks, we've got to press our way. We cannot give in to every little thing that comes. We cannot. We cannot. God knew what he wanted to do today. God knows. God knows what we need. And sometimes it's not coming the way we think it's going to come. 
I just, it comes to me so many times. If I stay home all day on Sunday, I'm going to be in that house and it would be easy just to have a pity party. And I cannot afford it. me and subdues people under me, who delivers me from my enemies. I want you to say this with me. I am delivered from my enemies. And that means lack, that means oppression, that means depression, that means poverty. Uh, enemies are not, our, is, are not people. There are other things in the spirit realm. You lift me up above those who rise against me. You deliver me from the man of violence. Therefore, I will give you thanks and extol you, O God, among the nations. And sing praises to your name. Great deliverances and triumphs gives he to his king. He was talking about David. God was going to give great deliverance and triumph to David. He shows mercy and steadfast love to his anointed David and his offspring forever. I want you to say with me, I am of the offspring of David. He's like a spiritual great, 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 ever how many great grandfathers to us. You know, I was listening to um, a documentary about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. Both of them were of the lineage of Queen Victoria. Both of them had royal blood. Both of them. Uh, Queen Victoria was their great-great-grandmother. And you know, that's the way it is with us. We've got royal blood in us, and we need to act like it. Okay, uh, let's proclaim... Isaiah 61. This, Jesus was uh, proclaiming this in, well, it's recorded in Luke when he was standing up in the temple, but, but this is the prophecy that uh, Isaiah gave. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me. Don't say you're not qualified. I don't know who the devil's talking to, but you need to denounce it and say the Lord has anointed and qualified me. Lord knows I wasn't qualified to be in outreach ministry. I was qualified in other areas, but I was not qualified in outreach, but the Lord will anoint you and qualify you. Amen? Hallelujah. We can do what God's called us to do. The Lord has anointed and qualified me. Let's say that. The Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek and the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. God's doing all this today. 
this very day. We have people in here with broken hearts, and God is mending our broken hearts today to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of the eyes of those who are bound. And, and that's what Sister Rhonda's going to be doing over there. I see it. It's not just two or three people, Sister, like you've been doing. It's going to be more than that. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'll go ahead and read this part that goes along with what God's doing today. To grant consolation to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament or garland of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and praise instead of a heavy burden, failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness and justice and right standing with God, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And let us say, I am planted in the house of God. I am not a pot plant. My roots go deep in God and in his house. When the storms come, I'm planted in the house of God. When we have a disagreement, I'm planted in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing today. You said you would rebuild the ancient ruins. They shall you shall raise up the former desolation and renew the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. God, we pray that there's a rebuilding and a restoring in this church. People that have had things stolen, that things that were taken from them, things that were destroyed, that you, we are that. that is coming back to us. You you said in Isaiah 54 that you are our vindication. You said that you would give us a double recompense. What was taken, we would be given double for our trouble. And we stand on that, Lord, that we have everything we need to live a peaceful life. I come against the spirit of drama and controversy and conflict in our homes. We are going to walk in peace and harmony in our homes in Jesus' name. We know that everything's not perfect every day, but you're going to help us to stop when we see chaos try to come in our home. That we're going to look at each other and we're going to say, oh no. We're not going there. We may not always agree, but we're going to work it out, and we're going to have peace and harmony in this home, in Jesus' name. And I promise you, I have to watch all my thinking, all my speaking, and what I'm looking at or reading or anything. We don't need to be watching movies that all they are doing is negative, negative. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have peaceful homes that glorify God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's just pray.
pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is a Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. You said that we know not how to pray as we ought in Romans 8, but the Spirit maketh intercession according to the mind and purpose of God. And that is what we want, the mind and purpose of God in this place. I want to tell you something. We've got to watch what we're thinking. You know what the enemy told me this very day? This day, he told me, and I didn't realize it was the enemy until I got here, that my mouth had been shut up in the house of God. I had no idea the pastor was going to ask me to pray today. I'm telling you, we've got to watch what comes to our mind. Every thought is not from God. Now, some of it is human, but some of it is of the devil, of the devil. And we cannot receive it. We have got to know the Word of God, and we've got to proclaim it. When there is a thought or desire that is not of God, I've even had the enemy to bring cuss words to me, and I don't cuss. What kind of craziness is that? I don't believe in watching movies or anything. If I see something on YouTube and they start cussing, that's over. Gone. I know I don't walk around cussing. And cuss words will come to my mind. You cannot receive that. I just start pleading the blood of Jesus over or, or speaking the scripture or whatever. Because the enemy will bring negative things to us in this last day because he's trying to distract us, Pastor. He's trying to hinder us. And we're not going to put up with it. Are we in war? Are we not at war? Now, we're not talking about flesh and blood, but we're going to have to proclaim what God wants in our home. Whether you're living alone or one other person or you have a house full, we, every one of us, have got to proclaim what God wants. When I was so stiff this morning, I could hardly move my right leg. I began to say out of my spirit, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hadn't read that in a while. I'm talking about actually read it in the Bible, but it was down in here. You understand? You know, it's kind of like a cow. When they eat, then sometime there's a, some kind of stomach system where they chew the cud. Well, we need to have so much word in us to, if we spiritually belch, we're saying the word of God. Whatever's in us, we've got to proclaim what God says. Do not put up with the lies of the devil. I don't care who we are. I've been saved since I was seven years old, but the devil will still try to talk to you. Nobody is above that. But we are more than conquerors. I want us to say that together. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And as long as I'm alive and in this church, I will continue with all the strength I have to proclaim the victory of God. Don't tell me that there's no use. Don't tell me we're down and out and woe is me. God is in us. Jesus is in us. I understand people say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Wait a minute. 
If you belong to the Lord, the Holy Spirit's in you. We need to yield to the Spirit of God that's already in us, Lynn. You understand what I'm saying? He's here. He's here. Jesus is in us. If the Bible, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is in us, right? So we got all the wisdom we need. We don't need to go around and say, I don't know what to do. No, no, no. Jesus is our wisdom, our sanctification, our redemption, our justification. That's Paul talking while he's in jail, tormented, and he saw the victory of God and walked in the victory of God and did more to send out missionaries that a lot of people have that's never been to jail. All those people that he sent out in the ministry, the men and the women, he might have been in jail, but pastor, he was not bound. You may be in a situation in a job right now that you don't like it and you're being tormented, but I say in Jesus' name, you are not bound. Pastor, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to raise my voice. But it is time to make proclamation. I don't know why the Lord has revealed that to me. There's some people in here that you cannot stand your job. Or there's people rising up against you. But you that those people are not your source. They're not your source. I understand God uses people. God uses businesses. God uses the government. You know, like if you're working for the government or drawing Social Security or whatever. But we've got to proclaim more than ever that God is our source and that we're not going to be miserable because somebody else is miserable. I don't receive that, Sister Rhonda. No, 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 no. God has more. What is it? What did he say today? He said he would give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We're going to have to put on, put on the garment of praise. We're going to have to do it, whether you feel like it or not. Say, God, I am wearing the garment of praise. Now, I'm not talking about having a burden for lost souls. If you've got a burden to pray for somebody, you do that. But I'm talking about any kind of oppressive spirit, depression, the enemy saying you might as well kill yourself. That is from hell. We do not receive that, Timothy. We have God in us. The Word of God has been inside of you since you were a little boy. It's still there. And when it comes up out of you, I want you to start saying it. Whatever verses you heard when you were growing up. You know, we don't have an excuse today. If we can't read the Bible or we're so down and out, we can, we can uh, go to the Google and say to them, say to whoever's saying it, they're, say they're listening, okay? Then you talk to them. When you have that little microphone, you know what I'm talking about. I know if I got it on the old Samsung, I know y'all got it on them iPhones. And when it comes up, you say, read aloud Psalms 18. And you ought to see all these things, even if you can't say it, even if you can't sleep, they will read it to you. Isn't it amazing? Any chapter in the Bible, 
If you don't like one translation, try another. But we can hear it and be rejuvenated and, and supernaturally charged in our spirit. Listen, y'all, I understand that I had to get myself turned around. The Lord had to change my thinking about having my knee replaced on Tuesday. I wasn't into it, and I fought it for years. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going into that with victory, and I'm going to be praying for that doctor, Dr. Pasecki. I prayed for him before. I prayed for him when he did surgery on right for my right foot at Fort Jackson, and I'm going to pray for him again because God is going to use him because we've got work to do. Now, I'm just warning you now. Don't come up to me with your excuses of why you're not working in the kingdom. I'm 74, and I'm believing God for at least 10 more years. At least 10 more years of victory. Uh, well, victory, yeah, but, but of ministry to continue and longer if the Lord should tarry. We've got to stop. Some of us have been babysitting with excuses. Whatever you nurture is going to grow. If you're nurturing excuses, nurturing griping and complaining and woe is me, that's what you're going to live with. I've got a little something I read somewhere that I wrote down. It said, whatever... I'm sorry, i got to get the words out. Whatever you are thankful for and grateful for will increase. Well, the opposite will happen. Whatever you gripe and complain about, then you're opening the door. We are opening the door to the enemy. And if there ever was a time, just like the pastor, he was honest with us today. He said it was one of those mornings. I got it. But he said, we're going to worship God and we're going to pray. And what he proclaimed is what's happening. God has no problem with us being honest. You know, I'm hurting or whatever. But he wants us to proclaim what he wants. Because I'm not kidding. My body is a total different feeling body than what I had this morning. I'm not kidding. And I know it's from the Lord. I know it's from y'all's prayers. I know it is. But, but y'all, sometimes the healing comes when we're moving. You know, I, I, I may be wrong about this, and you can correct me, Pastor, about this, but I don't believe that it was God's will for that man to lay that pool for over 30 years. Even if he would have inched one inch a year, he could have been in the pool. But Jesus said, no more of this. No more of this. You know, okay, isn't he the one that he said, do you want to be healed? Do we want to be free? Do we want to be healed? Do we want to have, do we want to have hope? I'm going to tell you something. I made a proclamation in my house. I said, God, I don't want anybody coming in this house and being with me or staying with me that is negative. I need someone that agrees with me for total healing and for victory. And God sent dear sister Deanna Cole that's going to stay with me for three days. And I, glory, I thank her and I thank God for it because we need to be in an atmosphere in our home of victory, of hope. And, and if you've 
If you haven't done that, just ask forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm going to proclaim your word. I'm going to proclaim. Can we just pray that right now? Okay, let's do that. Let's just go ahead and repent now. Let's just go ahead and repent now. Lord, we come to you. We know that you are God. You are a mighty God, a perfect God. We are serving a perfect, perfect shepherd, a good, merciful, kind God. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive us for anything we've said or done in our home, in our job, in our cars, in the church that did not agree with your word. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, of anything I've said and done that was contrary to your will, contrary to what you want. You have good things and great things that you want to do at Crossroads. And we know, Lord, that you are using Pastor Josiah. Hodge, you are using Pastor Charlie Sharp and all the other ministers and leaders and people. Lord, we believe that the anointing of God is in our children, not just certain age people, but every age, even the babies, the babies that are in the womb. Oh, help me say her name. No. I want, Sydney, I want you to lay hands on her. I want you to lay hands on, on her uh, and pray for, over that baby that's in her womb. Just lay your hand gently on her and you start praying for her as the Holy Spirit leads you. Because God is using the unborn. Does not the Bible say that? He's using every age, and I pray that we will not speak against any age. No one is too young or too old to be used of God in this church. I mean, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, John the Baptist recognized Jesus before he was ever born. And, and the baby was leaping in the womb, and we're believing that that every age is used of God in this house. You go through the Bible. God was using the unborn. He was using the born. He was using nobody's too old to be used of God. If the devil has lied to any senior citizen in this church and you have said, I want you to repent today. I'm not saying you got to repent to me. Repent. If you've said my days of service is over, I'm going to let other people do it. That is not biblical. Now, I'm sorry I wasn't planning on rebuking. But this is a holy rebuke. You need to repent and say, God, I want you to use me all the days of my life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Betty, for that prayer. But listen, y'all, can we stand back up, man? If you can, because listen, one thing the Holy Spirit has been renewing in me in the past two weeks is worshiping through, okay? Worshiping through what we're going through because it's real easy to worship God when he answers your prayer. It's real hard to worship God when you're in the midst of the storm and the chaos. And y'all, this has not been easy being a pastor, but what the Holy Spirit is putting back into me is worshiping in the midst of all of it. This is how we fight our battles, y'all. This is where we go to war. You want to see change, it happens here. And so listen, some of y'all, I feel this in my spirit. We have stopped believing that God can heal us. Years have passed. We've prayed his will, but in reality, we were praying our will upon him. 
And I feel in my spirit of spirits that some of y'all need to hightail it up here to the altar and repent for your doubt. And we need to come up here and get on our knees. No, I'm serious, y'all. I'm not joking. I see it in the congregation, and I even know who it is, but I would not dare call you out because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you right now. You have sat in lethargy for years when the Spirit has wanted to move in you. And you thought because of your age, because of your disorder, because of you being in and out of the hospital, you thought God could not use you. Oh, fuck. Y'all, I was in here last night by myself jumping in the spirit because there's something happening in this house. But if it happens in me, if it only happens in me, oh, Lord Jesus, mm. Some of y'all are going through some real hard stuff right now. But Romans 8.28 tells us what? All things. All things work together. There's some of y'all in here who are constantly trying to find the next healer, the spiritual healer. But can I tell you right now, man, it's not the healer that's going to heal you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you that's going to heal you. And it can happen here, and it can happen today. I'm just waiting for those people to come up to the altar because you know exactly who you are. Your worship has died. Your worship has dried up. But today, the Holy Spirit is the fount that does not run dry. He is the everlasting well. Come on now, y'all. Some of your worship, because I see it every Sunday, your worship has run dry. Y'all, we cannot pray for revival if it doesn't start here. If it's not starting in our very beings of fire being poured into us, we cannot pray for revival in our community. We cannot pray for revival on Friends and Family Day if it does not happen in us. When we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're actually saying is, God, let me live perfectly according to your will. I'm still waiting, y'all, because you're standing there and the Holy Spirit is pulling you. But some of us have become so dry that we can't even understand when the moisture is rising. And there's something inside of you that wants to take root. Check your soil right now, right now. And the Holy Spirit, y'all better start praying in the Spirit. Y'all, this is where it goes to the next level. We can't keep doing church like we've been doing church. We can't continue to stand in a pew when those around us are going to hell. Do Father God, I repent of my unbelief. I repent of letting my well run dry. Lord God, I repent of praying my will upon you. Father God, when, when are we going to understand it's not about how good our church services are. It's not about how good the preaching is or how it makes us feel, Father. Yes, yeah, start praying in the Spirit. I hear some of you. Start praying in the Spirit.
Father God, you are worthy. Father God, you are worthy of every praise I could ever sing, of every word I could ever speak, of every action I could ever take. Father, you are worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father God, I just pray that your fire would start here. God, I just pray that day by day, individuals in this room would be set on fire to worship in a new way, to let go of their quote-unquote dignity, to let go of the face that they put on for a crowd, and just to worship. Father God, I pray that we'll be a church that dances in the Spirit. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be a church of exuberant praise. 
Lord God, remove my frustrations and give me a passion to see people worship exuberantly. Father, we thank you for what we're seeing, but we can't help but long more once we experience you. Oh, Father God, I repent for ever just thinking of this as a church service. Not a time just to dwell in your presence. We can read the Bible. We can read commentaries and devotionals every day of our lives. But what does our worship look like? Father God, let it be beyond me to just be a man of head knowledge. But let me be a man of passion. Let us, teach us to wait upon your spirit. And to those of you in the room who have no experience with this, this is what we call waiting on the spirit. Because we know that there is nothing in our power to do what only he can do. So we wait upon the one who is able. We don't speak incantations or magical rituals. We just speak the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everyone Jesus ever touched was healed. And everyone who ever met Jesus was changed and transformed and radicalized. That same Jesus who came in the form of a babe and lived 33 perfect years and died on the cross for our sins. The same Jesus who rose from the grave, that same spirit that rose him from the grave now lives within our mortal bodies. Holy Spirit, let us come to terms and to understand what that actually means for us as a church. Lord God, embolden us to share the gospel with those outside of this building. Empower us to pray and lay hands on those outside of this building. And Lord God, I repent for my doubt, Father, and my disobedience when I didn't speak when I felt your spirit telling me to. Lord God, make us a people of submission and obedience. And make us okay with silence. we would know that our prayer positions us for the purposes you have for us. That we would pray, truly pray, your will be done and be okay with the outcome. Lord God, make us a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. 
time at your altar. We glorify your name. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You guys may return to your seats if you wish. We are now going to transition into our time of giving this morning. Today is a special offering, our Super Bowl offering. All this goes to our outreach ministry. So if the Holy Spirit put it on your heart to give specifically to that ministry, we happen to have a bowl right here for our Super Bowl giving um, Pastor Betty, is that all you wanted me to say? They they know about Super Bowl, right? You're good? All right, guys. Uh, stand. Please get your offering ready. Sorry, y'all. I'm still in a place with the spirit right now. I'm trying to.
If you have your offering or your tithes, please hold it in your hand and raise it to the Lord as we dedicate this to him. Holy Father God, you are worthy of everything we could ever give. And I pray that as we come before you humbly to give that you wouldn't just bless us financially because that's not why we're here. That you would bless our families. And that our families would see the genuineness of our hearts. And that through that they would see Jesus. Not as a pointing finger of condemnation or that we think we're better than anybody. But that because Jesus Christ has saved our souls. And that we really, really care about them not going to hell. So, Spirit of God, I pray that you would just empower us through this giving, that the main blessing we would receive from this is our families coming to know Jesus and you empowering us to preach the gospel in a new way to them. So, Father God, as we give, I just pray that you bless this ministry so that we then can turn and bless others. Lord God, you know the needs of every single person in this room. People are all praying for different things. So, Lord, I just pray that their prayers are aligned with your will. And I know that you hear your children. So, Father, I just speak over everyone in this building, and I just pray for them, Lord God, that what they're seeking, they will find. And I pray that it's Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, we bless your name, and we thank you for everything you're doing. In my name we pray. Amen. You guys can give. Children's Church can also be dismissed at this time. I believe they're in the back exit over there. All right, everybody, whoa. I'm either just really loud or there we go. Um, when you guys turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're only going to do verses 9 and 10 today. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And once you have that, will you please stand up with me as we read the Word of God today? Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. 
starting in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. You can be seated. I want everyone to say this after me. My prayer positions me for the purposes God has set before me. My prayer positions me for the purposes God has set before me. Now let's think through that. My prayer positions me for the purposes God has set before me. Right there, what does that eliminate? It eliminates me. So my prayers are not for me. My prayers are not just talking to God. My prayers are not just asking God for stuff, which I'm guilty of. But in reality, my prayer is not even for me. My prayer positions me for the purposes God has set before me. So we're starting on what Scripture calls the Lord's Prayer, but I want to redefine that and call that the Disciples' Prayer. Because if you look at the book of Luke, his account of this, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray, because John taught his disciples how to pray. And so this is the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. And this is the only prayer, hear me out, that will always be answered. This is the prayer that will always be answered. So we're going to break up verse 9 into two parts, and we're going to hit verse 10. I know worship and prayer went a while, so I'm not going to spend too much time really digging into all of it. Because next week is what? Friends and Family Day. And I pray that you're inviting your friends and your family Because people need to hear about Jesus. People need to know about Jesus. So that's the whole purpose of why we're doing Friends and Family Day. We're going to have fun. We're going to have food. But the most important part is that we get people in here to hear the gospel, even if if it's just for 10 minutes. So verse 9 starts off, Our Father in heaven. And so the fact that we're already positioning ourselves, Our Father in heaven... The fact that he is our father, all right, it's going to settle all relationships we have in life. So hear me out. The fact that God is our father settles our relationship to the unseen world or what we as Christians call the unseen realm. Because instead of thinking that there's a God after you trying to harm you, wanting you to have misfortune, we know that the God of the universe loves us. And that even though we can't see it, his love is there guiding us and leading us. So the fact that he's our father already settles our relationship to the unseen world. So therefore, we don't have to be paranoid or scared. We have the authority of the unseen world because God is our father and he is king. It settles our relationships to the seen world because we know that behind everything is who? God. And he what? He loves us. So not only does it settle our relationships to the unseen world, because in the ancient times, they were always paranoid there was a demon after them, right? Because in that culture, everything was mystical. 
So in that time period, for Jesus to say to his disciples, pray our Father, that automatically meant you were okay with the unseen world. You don't have to be paranoid about things lurking behind the corners waiting for you. And then it settles our relationships to the seen world because behind everything is God. And we know that God loves us. It settles our relationships to others because it says what? Our Father. If it's our Father, what does that mean about me and you? We're siblings. Pastor Betty's my sister. Miss Rhonda's my sister. Brother Kenny's my brother. C.E.'s my brother. And so when we look at it from that perspective, what does that mean? That means we're family. How many times have I said that? About a bajillion times. That means that we're family. And not just those in the body of Christ, but that means that we're able to look at unsaved people as people Jesus died for. You cannot look down on any human being that Jesus died for. So what does that mean? You can't look down on anyone. Jesus died for everybody. And so God being our father then settles our relationships to one another, which then changes our perspectives about how we see one another. It settles our relationships to ourselves. Why? Because when you used to probably hate yourself for the things you did, now you find acceptance and love in God. And you understand that you are a child of the utmost of the highest, so you no longer have to look down on yourself or feel guilty or shameful about your past because now your father already told you you're forgiven. So you no longer have to loathe yourself or hate yourself because of things you did. You are forgiven and you are loved by the father. And that's a message for the world. Because the more guilt-filled we are and the more shameful we are, the farther we run. Can I tell you, God has never walked away no matter what you did. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned and they hid, we do the same thing. God's not the one hiding from us. We're the one hiding from him. So now because of this, when you're able to call God your father, your relationship to yourself is fulfilled. Because now guess what? You don't get to see yourself the way you used to. Now you see yourself the way God does and he sees his son, Jesus Christ. So that relationship to ourselves is now settled. And last but not least, our relationship to God is settled. Scripture tells us that before Jesus died for us, we were at enmity with God. Well, guess what? Now he's my father. I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. I don't have to worry about wrath or anger. Now I get mercy and love and grace. And so right off the bat, Jesus says, okay, your prayer is going to start off by, guess what? Easing your mind. When you call God your father, how can you be anxious? When you call God your father, all of your relationships are settled in that moment. To the unseen world, to the seen world, to others, to myself, and to God. Right there in that one small phrase, God our father, he already settled everything. All the worries we could have, all the anxieties we could have, he already handled it. So right there in that moment, what, what does our perspective of prayer go from? All about me? It's all about God. So in that moment, it's not like, oh, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I'm struggling. It's Jesus says, no. Breathe. God, our Father. How many of us pray and we just kind of get worked up sometimes? We're like, <gasps> and we're like, you get like a little bit of anxiety attack. And in that moment, Jesus, what was Jesus teaching us? Breathe. Breathe. Y'all, when I used to struggle really bad with anxiety attacks, I once, had a, I once had a nurse tell me this. Looked in my face and she would say, breathe in, breathe out. And she just talked to me, y'all, because y'all, I've had some real bad anxiety attacks in my life. 
Breathe in. Breathe out. And it started to calm me down. And she said, did you notice something? She said, I was the only voice you needed to listen to in that moment. So when we go to prayer, breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. God, our Father. That's the only voice you need to hear in that moment. The world may be going crazy around you, but the fact that he is your Father settles all those things. The fact that he is our Father in heaven means two great things. Number one, it means he's holy. It means that he is holy. So the love is there, but the holiness is still there. So what does that tell us? Yes, he loves us, but we also can't be acting a fool. Because he's our father. But listen, y'all, I have one of the greatest dads that has ever existed on this planet. And I knew his love was there, but he also didn't let me act like a fool. So a good father, correct, does not just love, but a lot of times that love is shown through discipline. And so we have to understand that with God being our father in heaven, he is holy. So we better approach him as such. Has anyone ever become too familiar with God? I know I have. I stopped taking prayer seriously. My worship dried up. I didn't really read my word because I got too familiar with God. You know, Jordan Peterson, Bradley, you sent me a thing about Jordan Peterson. You know I love him. Jordan Peterson is one of the greatest psychologists of, of, of this era of time, point in time. He's, he's not a Christian. Do you know why he says he doesn't believe in God? He said, I can't openly say I believe in God because I'm terrified of what that will mean for me. He says, if I truly believe in God, everything about my life will change. I think we as Christians need to take a note from Jordan Peterson and understand when we say we believe, that means everything in our life becomes different. And I think a lot of times we become too familiar and we don't stop and think of the fact, if I actually believe this, you know, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And he says... <laughs> You know, you can speak of your faith all the day long. That's great. But I'll show you my faith by my works. So James was saying this. He said, no, I don't just say I believe. I for real believe in this. And everything I do is going to show you that my faith is in Jesus. So the love is there, but the holiness is there, which means we must approach him as a holy God. Number two is this. He is all powerful. And this is a word of encouragement. The love of God is backed by the power of God. So God doesn't just say, I love you and nothing happens. God says, I love you and guess what? My power is going to back that up. God, I can never be forgiven. But he says, I love you and guess what? I don't just love you, my power backs that up. When I say, God, I can never be forgiven, there is no way, God, you know what I did. God says, guess what? I love you and I say you're forgiven and I'm all powerful. So guess what that means? His power backs up his love. Has anyone ever had someone tell them they love them and then they turned around and like stabbed you in the back? Words can just be words. But when God speaks to you, you must know that his love is not just words. There's power behind it. Not only is there just power, it's he is all powerful, which means that all power is in the palm of his hand. 
And so now when not only are we approaching saying God our Father, so all relationships are settled, we're saying our God our Father who are in heaven, we're now knowing who is he? He's holy, he's loving, and he's all-powerful. And so what is this, what is this doing still the, the beginning of the prayer? It's God. Everything is pointed back to the Father. 9b says, your name be honored as holy. The Greek word is hagios, which means holy. And we, majority of us who've been in church our lives, know what does holy means? Different and set apart, right? Some, something uniquely different than what we are. Something uniquely different than what we experience on the earth. In Hebrew, though, so when we say, Lord God, let your name be honored as holy, in Hebrew, name doesn't, doesn't just mean what you're called. So Jesus wasn't saying, Yahweh, let your name Yahweh be holy. No, 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 no. Jesus was saying, let your nature and your attributes be honored as holy. So in Hebrew, name doesn't just mean name, it means your nature. Your name is your nature. It's who you are. It's your character, your attributes, your personality. And so Jesus is now taking us and putting us in this place. And so what does this mean? What does this mean? God, your name be honored as holy. It means this. God, enable us to give to you the unique place which your nature and your character deserve and demand. Because, y'all, I don't always honor God. I'm just being honest. I don't always honor God as holy. A lot of times I become too familiar or my life doesn't look anything like you told me to live. I don't always do this. So what, what Jesus is actually saying, this is a prayer within itself. And he's saying, God, help me, enable me, because in our own human nature, we can't do this. Enable me to truly give you the spot you deserve. Right? A lot of times in church, what we call like, give him the throne, give him his throne. Right? Give him his spot. Give him the spot in your life which he deserves and in which you honor him. And the thing about this is, in itself, it's a prayer for reverence. And reverence is something we lack in the church. Reverence is something I lack in my life. I'm not going to act like I'm perfect. I'm not going to act like I'm amazing. I lack reverence in my own life. And we're going to look at this. What is this? There's four essentials in showing reverence to God. So in this prayer, there's four essential things for us as human beings. All right, four essential things. Number one is this. We must believe that God exists. How can, how can you have reverence for something that's make-believe? That's not existent. So number one, we must believe that God exists. You cannot be an atheist and give honor and reverence to God. It doesn't work that way. Number one is we must believe that God exists. Number two is this. We must know him as he is. So we can't just say, okay, God, you exist. But we need to intimately know him. What's his nature? What's his character? What's his personality? What type of God is this? So not only can we know, must believe that he exists, we must know him. Number three is this. We must have constant awareness of him. Huh, that sounds a lot like union that I preach forever, doesn't it? We must have constant awareness of him. Because how can I bring glory to a God I only acknowledge 10% of the time? God is not, God is not only worth 10% of your time. And I have to tell myself that all the time. When I'm getting in the schedule and meetings and planning and all these things, I have to remind myself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? God, you are in this with me. And we talked about last time I preached, I believe, that a reward from God doesn't actually mean doing less. It means doing more. 
And so when I have more on my plate, God is rewarding me for being faithful. But if I then don't turn, return that faithfulness, right? It's acknowledging him in everything we do. We talked about praying without ceasing, did we not? And what did we say that is? That's acknowledging God in everything you do. It's not sitting on your knees for 24 hours of the day because like Pastor Betty always says, we got to move forward in the ministry. We got to keep moving. So if you're on your knees, what earthly good are you to anybody? It's acknowledging God in everything you do and giving him his rightful place in the midst of it. Number four is this. We must be obedient and submissive to his will and his way. And I struggle with this, y'all, because I've been a rebel my entire life. I was the crazy child. I was the one that wanted to do whatever I wanted to do and talk back to everybody and just did not care. And so for me, this is an area in my own life where I really have to get with the Lord and get in the place with him and saying, all right, you know what, God, I don't agree. Yeah. Have you ever not agreed with God? I don't, I don't agree with God a lot of times because I, I can't comprehend his will and his way sometimes. It's too big for me. To me, right, from my earthly eyes, I'm like, no, God, this makes sense. And God's like, I don't care what you think makes sense because this is what I'm doing. I would love to be a comfortable, nice little pastor that came in a suit and tie and looked all cute for you. I would love to do that. That's just not who God lets me be. I'm the weird guy, and I'm okay with that. But listen, it's being in that place of being with God. And listen, can I tell you, his will and his way oftentimes looks nothing like your will and your way. That disease may not go away. That family member may not get well. You may never walk again. His will and his way does not always look like ours. But are we willing to be in that place of submission that when it doesn't go our way, we're going to worship through it? Y'all, that's why I was pushing worship through it. Because his will and his way is usually nothing like we expect it to. Y'all, we've been praying healing for my papa for a long time. But I've had to come to terms with my own heart. If my papa does pass away, God, am I, am I still going to believe that you are good? Because, y'all, my papa has been a pastor for like 50-odd-something years. A faithful man of God. Probably the faithfulest man of God I've ever met in my life. Like me times 50 trillion billion. That's not even a number, but you know what I'm saying. So if my papa does die from this disease, will I still be able to submit and be obedient? Understanding that even though that was an amazing man of God, that was, that was the will of God. So, y'all, that's one of the hardest, most honest places we have to come to as children of God. Because if you don't submit to his, his will or his way or you're not obedient to him, are you actually a child? I want y'all to write this down. Reverence. This is reverence. Reverence equals knowledge plus submission. Reverence equals knowledge plus submission. In order to give reverence to God, we must understand who he is, what he does, his word, his way. But more than just having head knowledge, we must submit to the actual things we know. So reverence is knowledge of God, who he is, his word, and then actually being submissive to what you know. To know that God is to know what kind of God he is, to be constantly aware of him, and to be obedient and submissive to him, that is reverence. Right? So what does that, what does it do again? Jesus, I love Jesus, because in like four little words, Jesus covers every basis. It's like, Jesus, how? And oftentimes I feel like we in the church don't study his words, and it's like, oh, Jesus just said four words. Okay, cool. And it's like, no, because when you study, Jesus covered everything you needed in four words. 
I don't know any other teacher who has ever lived that could teach you everything you needed to know in four simple words if you actually listened. So what, what, what this is saying, this passage 9b is saying this, give God the reverence which his nature and character deserve and require. How many of us have read verse 9 and just been like, okay, cool, took me two seconds, I'm good, I can go do my day now. Right? It's like, all right, our God who are in heaven, how would be your name? Cool. Let's go on in the day. But we didn't understand how all-encompassing that was for us as children of God. It's clearing out all the noise, all the chaos, all the anxiety, the depressions, the strife. It's clearing out and understanding that God is there. His love is there. His holiness is there. And his power is backing up his holiness. And because he is our father, we now don't have anything to worry about. He's going to provide and care for every single need. Verse 10 says this. Your kingdom come. How beautiful and how simple. Your kingdom come. And when Jesus spoke of the kingdom throughout the Gospels, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spoke of the kingdom in three different ways. Okay? Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God in three different ways. He spoke of it in the past. He spoke of it in the present. And he also spoke of it in the future tense. How in the world can a kingdom be all three things? Right? Because when we think of human kingdoms, it was either in the past, it either currently exists, or there'll probably be some new nation in the future. But Jesus brings it to the point of this. He explains the kingdom in three different ways. But it's important to know what the kingdom is. The kingdom is this. The kingdom of God is a society upon earth where God's will is as perfectly done as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom of God. So next time you want to go out praying, oh, let the kingdom of God come. If you don't even know what the kingdom of God means, how do you know what you're praying for? So when you pray, God, your kingdom come, it's about to hit us because this is actually a very personal thing. So the kingdom of God is a society upon earth where God's will is as perfectly done as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So what does this mean for us? That means that anyone, okay, anyone who at any time in history did God's will was within the kingdom of God. Anyone throughout history who lived according to the will of God was then in the kingdom of God. And that's where we get our past, our present, and our future. It's a kingdom that what lasts forever. And so you may say, okay, in the past, right, people follow God. That's how we have Christianity now, right? Okay, and in the present, we're serving God, so if we're living according to his will, we're in the kingdom now. But look at the world around you. Does the world as a whole really look like it's submitting to the will of God? No. I think anyone can answer that. So that's where the kingdom of God comes in the future, and that's why we can't stop praying your kingdom come. Right? Because, y'all, if we stop praying your kingdom come, and we think we've made it, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. We're currently, y'all, we're in the present of things. Now, I believe the culmination of time is probably coming to an end in the relatively near. No, I'm not, y'all, I'm not here saying Jesus is coming now. I think we got a little while. I, I, think, I think things are in motion to get there. But we can pray your kingdom come because we are believing for many people, even in this church, to come to Jesus. And we're believing that they're going to follow Jesus. And we're believing that their wills are going to be conformed to the wills of the Father so that truly his kingdom has come here. But can I tell you something even more crazy about that? The kingdom of God starts here. This matter, the kingdom of God starts there. 
Nick, the kingdom of God starts there. To be in the kingdom of God is to obey the will of God. The kingdom is something which has to do with each one of us. Y'all, we as Christians, we love to pray in super broad terms. Oh my gosh. We usually don't get very specific. I'm like, God, this and God, that. But how often do we take to analyze our own lives? Are we truly a citizen of the kingdom? Are our lives conformed to the will and way of God? The kingdom demands the submission of my will, of my heart, and of my life. And y'all, you can't be dual citizens. Can I tell you that? You cannot be a citizen of the world and a citizen of the kingdom. You can't do both. God does not allow dual citizenship. The kingdom demands full submission of my will, of my life, of my heart. And so I I just feel this in my spirit because we in the church, oh my gosh, I feel like we pray the kingdom of God and we don't even know what it means. We're over here gossiping and slandering and belittling and being nasty to people. And we're like, God, let your kingdom come. And God's looking at you like, hey, doofus. Joe, I'm being honest. God's looking at us when we're praying for his kingdom and we look nothing like a citizen. Y'all, it falls on every single one of us. Do I not say that all the time? It falls on every single one of us. If we're going to, I cannot be a citizen for you. And guess what? I can't sign a waiver for you to become a citizen. We become citizens when our lives align with the will and way of the Father, which like Pastor Betty was saying, a lot of times that looks like serving. A lot of the times that looks like moving forward even when you don't feel like it. It is only when each one of us makes a personal decision and submission that the kingdom comes. How often of the times have we prayed for revival in the church? How often times have we actually went out and been the revival? Can I tell you, prayer is a lot like faith. Without action, nothing happens. When I'm praying, oh, Lord God, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, but 99% of my life looks nothing like a kingdom citizen. Prayer is just like faith, man. They go hand in hand. I will show you my prayer life by my actions. My worship shows my prayer life. My intimacy is is shown through my actions. I don't know if y'all get what I'm saying here. We as Crossroads have been praying that God impacts this community. But have we been Jesus to our community? We are praying God touch our families. But have we been Jesus to our families? Have we given God his rightful place? And so right off the bat, prayer isn't a, prayer isn't a wish list to a genie. Prayer isn't hopeful thinking. Prayer actually has nothing to do with you, but it's perfecting you for the purposes God has set before you. Because prayer causes us to analyze. Because as soon as I say, God, our Father, okay, what have I allowed to seep into my mind that causes me to feel distant from God? 
knowing that he is in control of all this. Focus. All right, analyze. All right, God, I, I got you. Like, I'm focused on you, Father. I, I see you. I hear you. And we're, we're in that moment. Where, and y'all, I just love this because Jesus makes it flow so perfectly. And then we go, Father God, your name be honored as holy. And as we say that, guess what comes to the mind? Everything that doesn't honor him is holy. Like, God, I honor you as holy. Oh, I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have listened to that. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, Father God, I confess. Thank you for your holiness. And so, y'all, in this prayer, we're not just begging God for things, but we're actually putting ourselves in a position for the purposes that the Father has before us. And can I tell you, your purposes are not for you. Your purposes are not for you. That's a misconception of the Christian faith. You're not even a Christian for you. You're not even a Christian for your own soul. You're a Christian for other people. And we live that way. And then we get to that place of saying, Father, your kingdom come. And automatically, again, am I living as a citizen of heaven? (laughs) That cashier, y'all, I'm speaking for myself. This This is my prayer. Father God, that cashier I did not talk to at Circle K, I promise I would do it next time I see them. Because, y'all, I felt him telling me to talk to Miss Stacy. He was telling me, y'all, Miss Stacy was stressed at the Circle K. And I felt in my spirit, just I speak a word of encouragement. I didn't do it. So my prayer was, Lord God, perfect the kingdom here. Perfect the kingdom here. And then perfect the kingdom here. Because unless the kingdom starts here, you can't pray for it out there. Will y'all stand with me? You raise your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray a super simple prayer, and then I want you to ponder on it throughout the week. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen. I love you guys. Y'all have a fantastic week.